0: Oh! Ho- well, welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz. And today, we are going through super wildcard weekend, everybody. It's been a long 17 weeks. You can check out the Wednesday edition of this pod for an exclusive breakdown of every wildcard game, but have a special guest on today to dive into you know, a little more of the nitty gritty stuff from the weekend that we're all that we all definitely care about. You've heard him on this podcast before. NFL analyst from The Ringer. You can hear him on The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Truly has one of the best draft guides in the entire industry. Danny, Kelly, Danny, thanks for coming on again man and happy wild card weekend
1: yeah man thanks for having me it's crazy we were just talking before the show like it's this week seven or whatever the regular season is over this is like sneaks up on you man it's playoffs already uh kind of bizarre but exciting because you know there's this new format six games during the during the wild card weekend it's just all new and exciting and
0: yeah i'm excited it's wild, man. Like we had, you know, for so long, 16, you know, games a week, just had to really crunch all of our time. And now we have more time to study all these teams. It's <laughs> like, I'm almost catching myself just going through the emotions with some of it, but it's like, no, hold on. Like we have time to actually try to improve the product <laughs> if we want to. So uh, I, as we, as we usually do with this podcast, I uh, got 10 questions here for Danny. Again, mostly will be related to the wild Card weekend, but we might get j- just a little bit off topic as well. So without further ado, let's get started. Danny mentioned before, but you came on the podcast back in August. We did a fun Ten Commandments for your fantasy football draft episode. One thing you noted that I thought was very smart then, still maintains now, uh, was to hitch a wagon to high scoring offenses. Well, here we are. Bills ranked second in scoring, and Josh Allen is absolutely humming. Do you consider the Bills the number one challenger to the Chiefs' AFC throne?
1: I do. Yeah, I think it's like there's the, there's a clear number one tier in the NFL right now. For me, at least, it's the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Packers, and then like basically all the other teams are a full. You know, there's a pretty big gap between those three teams and, and everybody else in my mind. Just like the way that they're playing offensively, it doesn't even look. So, I mean, obviously the Chiefs have kind of had, you know, some subpar, maybe not quite as good as we'd expected performances on offenses on offense. But I still think they're capable of just going absolute buzz saw on people. But like the Packers and the Bills, it doesn't even look like they're trying. Sometimes they are just so good right now. So you know, tuned in, so in sync with each other. Josh Allen, obviously, has been a revelation. And I think, like, if anybody, if any team is going to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in terms of scoring points, you know, and and hitting explosive plays and all that, it's the Bills. And um, their defense is getting kind of hot at the right time, too. I wouldn't say they're, like, an elite defense or anything, but they're give they good enough to, like, you know, slow down opposing offenses and give them a chance to, like, do what they're going to do on offense. And um, the other thing about the Bills that – maybe is a little bit underreported or underrated is like how pass heavy they've been this year. Like they're one of the top neutral situation pass teams in the NFL. They're just throwing the hell out of the ball. Um, and I mean, I can't really blame them with the way that Josh Allen is playing right now. He's just, you know, tearing people up. So um, yeah, I would say the bills to me look like the clear challenger to the chiefs. And it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if they were the ones that were in the, in the super bowl by this, by the time this is all
0: over it seems like their quote unquote weaknesses are like the exact things that if you aren't going to be great in this, it's okay. In the year 2020, running the ball, like, okay, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, you know, they haven't exactly right. just dominated all year, but they're throwing the hell out of it to your point because they haven't able to all season long. And you just look at how smart they've been really in every situation that they had that Rams game, like in week four, I think they, you know, ran the ball like four total times in the entire first oh, yeah. half. And like, yeah. And like, you look at their run defense and okay, it's a bad run defense, but I mean, look at the one game where they, really got exposed. Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes bonkers. I don't know, man. Like, I don't mind putting the game, uh, forcing the Chiefs to hand the ball to Clyde Edwards-Alaire than having Patrick Mahomes stand back there. They lost that game, but I think Seriously. it was a decent enough strategy, man. And you look at, you know, Havoc, which is another fun style I've been uh, looking at a lot of lately. It's tackles for a loss, forced fumbles, interceptions, uh, batted passes, and pressure divided by plays. Top four defenses this year, Steelers, Buccaneers, Saints, and the Bills. I think the defense is coming on at the right time. And Josh Allen, if he keeps playing this way, he can take on anybody
1: that's yeah and that's the kind of defense that you want to focus on that's an interesting set actually I've never seen that that's a you'll show me where to find that but yeah yeah, I mean it's like those impact plays like turnovers takeaways um, things that get other teams off schedule like sacks and like you're saying it's just um, that's like a really good glimpse I think into the total quality of your of your defense like the playmaking of your defense so uh,
0: man good stat I like that yeah, try to take away those big plays. Get one disruption, and then maybe you can go off the field. So, all right. So, of course, the Bills have to get by Phillip Rivers and the Colts first. We've seen Jonathan Taylor really come on recently. This defense has multiple blue-chip talents in Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. The Colts, six-and-a-half-point underdogs, man. is there to be the largest AFC under, <laughs> underdog because I know you're not, you know, I know you're not, you know, just the Mr. Gambling connoisseur necessarily, but Titans, <laughs> right. Titans plus three-and-a-half, Browns plus six. Indy, really?
1: I would say – you know, maybe as we get closer to the game, like, the Browns will start – the gap will be bigger just because they have all the COVID issues right now and, like, their coach isn't even going to be able to – like, Stefanski is not going to be able to coach them. They've got several major players on the COVID list not going to play this week, so that might – you know, the spread might get bigger or whatever as, as we get closer to the weekend. But um, deserve is probably not the right word, I would say, in, in the sense. But, like, I do think it, it makes sense to me just logically the way that Bill, the Bills have been playing lately – Um, they've just absolutely gone scorched earth on people. I mean, they went and played the dolphins who were playing for a chance to get into the playoffs. Like they were playing for their lives and they dropped 56 on that defense. That was the number one scoring defense in the NFL, the best defense in the NFL in terms of points allowed before that game. And they just absolutely sliced and diced them. So to me, it, you know, I, I'm not taking away anything from the Colts. I just think the Bills are really locked in right now. And you know, the whole cliche of getting hot at the right time, like they are doing that. They're playing like there's, you know, you're a big, you're a big believer in the swag, right? Like, <laughs> always. You look good. You look good. You play good. Like the Bills just are feeling themselves right now. And so um, I think that all makes sense. I guess the one reservation I would have is they don't have a ton of playoff experience, I guess. That That's like the one variable that makes me like pause a little bit, but um, you know, that only matters until it doesn't matter, I guess. And I, I think that the way that they're playing right now, it's not going to matter.
0: As a wise man once said, look good, feel good, play good. But yeah, man, with that, <laughs> with that Bills game, it was wild. I was doing a pregame show. And you know, when I'm not at live, they usually kind of just cut to me for the end of a segment. So I kind of have, you know, I can put bets down if I want or set draft kings, whatever I want to do, you know, behind the scenes. But I see the news that Matt Barkley's gonna play a good amount of snaps. And I was like, Oh, Dolphins three and a half season on the line. <laughs> let's yeah. pound this. Oh my God, dude, 10 minutes into the game. Pretty much. I'm like, well, I just wasted uh, far too much money to be thrown against Josh Allen and company. They have been crushing it. And yeah, I mean, if the bills just keep on it, six and a half might look small at the end of it. And the Browns. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they, they, aren't, they lost their guard, Betonia. that, I mean, Stefanski, mm-hmm. is it that big of a loss? Not having your head coach, you think? Cause he's still going to be able to game plan the entire week. It's not like this happened on Saturday. I mean, how much importance right. do you place on Stefanski not being live at the game?
1: Uh, that's, I mean, I don't know. That's one of those questions I where it's I, tough I to really measure. don't know the answer. Yeah. It, it is. It's impossible to measure. And I think ultimately, like, I feel like I, I waffle because a lot of the times it's like, man, coaching is so important in the NFL. Like you see these co- these teams that are poorly coached and it's like, they, there's, they just stood no chance. But on the other hand, like you have to have your players play. Like the players have to execute. So it's clearly a balance. Um, I would say it's a pretty big... Pretty big disadvantage to not have Fansky though, because to me, like, he he's done such a good job this season with them and, like, you know, gotten them on the right track. You know, you can't overstate, like, how bad the coaching has been for the Browns and for, like, a decade or more. <laughs> and so having a guy like him who kind of, like, you know, keeps puts them on an even keel and keeps them going in the right direction i think that's like important so um but i I couldn't tell you honestly like how the day-to-day the the play calling and and the communication all that that's probably going to be a big effect i i just have no clue how how big of a a factor it's going to be
0: Definitely, yeah. Baker Mayfield, fifth most sensitive quarterback this year in terms of a uh, pressure, just drop off in yards per attempt under pressure versus kept clean. Stefanski deserves so much credit for what he's done in that passing game. At least it's not happening like on you know Saturday or Friday. At least they will right. that game plan in, but certainly does not help matters come game time. All right, Dan. So I had an article come out today. I outlined every playoff team's best potential path to Super Bowl, no matter how unlikely. You know, I included at the end of the you know Bears and the football team. Like you might need a couple drinks first, but the one interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the one interesting one was the Rams. And I basically said it need to be 25, 2015 Broncos good on defense in order to carry this offense. Do you think, though, in today's NFL, in the year 2021 now, that a historically great defense is still capable of dragging a team to the title? And if so, which defense do you think in this playoff structure has the best chance of doing so? Uh,
1: so I, to answer the first part of the question my instinct says no, like even like an elite, elite defense, there's just so many things stacked against defenses right now, especially in the season when they're not really calling holding. I don't know. Have you looked at the numbers in the second half of the season, if they've changed at all? Because I know in the first half of the season, they weren't calling holding hardly at all.
0: I haven't um, seen the new numbers, but it was so wild after the first like, yeah.
1: five weeks. And I mean, if you look at the the total number of points, the total number of touchdowns scored, there's record numbers of rushing and uh, receiving slash passing touchdowns this season um forever like for the entire NFL's history, both rushing and receiving. So like that just tells you offenses have gone absolutely scorched earth this year and I think just the way that the the game is played, the the way that the referees are slanted, the rules are slanted for the offense, it makes it very very difficult for a defense to dominate a game. now that said, In the playoffs, like, there's, you know, such a small sample that there is obviously that, like, opportunity for these defenses to dominate. I, I a couple teams, I mean, obviously, there's some pretty good defenses. Like, the Colts are a good defense. Uh, The Rams are a great defense. The the Buccaneers can play defense at an elite level. I think they have been a little bit off, um, or up and down, I guess, this year. Washington, I think, is a good defense, but I can't see them dragging. (laughs) I can't see the defense (laughs) dragging that team to to the Baltimore. Baltimore is a great defense. Um, I don't think they're going to have to get like dragged offense to the, to the championship. So that might be a moot point. The Rams are probably the best example because like their offense has been so bad lately or, you know, up and down. And what I like about Los Angeles is not just the fact that their coach uh, Staley has just been really, really like a a revelation this year and what he's done. Um, But when you got like those blue chips, like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, who can neutralize like your best players, that changes the whole dynamic of a game to me. Like Ramsey can take away, like they're playing the Seahawks this week. Ramsey could just take away DK Metcalf, like take him out of your offense and think about how much that changes the Seahawks offense. Um, Aaron Donald, he can completely just wreck a game plan by, by just being so dominant and, and disruptive up front. So um, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think in this In the year 2020, I guess it's 2021 technically now, but in in the season of 2020, I don't see a a defense like dominating the playoffs, but if there is, if it is going to be one, I could see the Rams doing it just because they have the coordinator, the play calling and the two blue chip studs that can like completely change like the dynamic of a game.
0: I'm I'm with you. You know, I try to just go through a bunch of defensive stats to try to see who has the best overall unit. And the Saints were surprisingly pretty close to the Rams. But I think overall, when you just look at how good the pass defense in particular has been, it's got to go to the Rams. And yeah, you mentioned uh, just a really just whole new scheme Brandon Staley has has brought uh, to the team. Everyone check out uh, Robert Mace's excellent breakdown on Brandon Staley and that scheme uh, via The Athletic. One of the better football articles I have read this season. All right, so I want to talk about the Seahawks. They're facing the Rams. Obviously, (laughs) massive quarterback. Back advantage Seahawks have won six of their last eight but man way more of a ball control offense than the juggernaut we saw during the first half of the year they're getting back the win by run the ball and playing great defense mantra I get it it's troubling though because <laughs> this, they got a lot of tough matches on the horizon you look at their past six eight games not that many tough opponents Danny can rust in this offense turn around or are we poised to see yet another frustrating playoff exit from a team with you know uh, a generational quarterback I hate the word but I know. yeah just to go back one second
1: I would be remiss, like, I totally did not mention the Saints and the Steelers' defensive suit. There's actually a lot of really good defenses. <laughs> yeah, you good. So you're I good. just wanted to say that. Um, but getting to the Seahawks, yeah, I mean, I think I don't have a lot of uh, confidence, I would say, that the Seahawks are going to all of a sudden turn things around. <clears throat> the problem is a lot of it is, like, number one, philosophically, I think Pete Carroll has, like, just hammered it home to, to Russell Wilson, like, don't turn the ball over. Like, it, turning the ball over is the worst thing that you can do. is if you turn the ball over, we're going to lose. That's like essentially what he's telling Russell Wilson. In addition to that, I think Wilson has been, you know, for lack of a better word, like gun shy lately, like just not pulling the trigger on tight window throws, not being aggressive. They've hardly hit any deep shots over the last few weeks. I know, I I think I saw, I heard uh, the great Greg Cosell talking about how um, DK Metcalf hadn't had like a 20 plus yard reception in like a month. And so that could be, that could have changed last week. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like, that's just, you know, that factor, that variable is a big deal to me. Like in Russell and the Seahawks in general, like are just not Wilson's game. Isn't like dink and dunk, move the chains, you know, like get the ball out quick. That's not really his game. Like he's he's running around the backfield, trying to make like a 30 yard bomb downfield. So can they figure it out? Yeah. They have, they have Wilson. They've got DK Metcalf. Like it's possible, but just the way that they've been playing, I don't, I don't know, like especially against a team like the Rams who kind of just know them so well and have had their number in the past. It, it doesn't look promising. I think this first game, if they can get past the Rams, anything goes, but this week, the game is, I think going to be like a low scoring slog. And they're just going to have, essentially, like I said, they're just not, they're going to try not to turn the ball over. And if they don't turn the ball over, they think they're going to get in a good position to win. I, I guarantee you, after watching the last 10 years of the Seahawks play, it's going to come down to the final possession. There's going to be like a minute left in the game, and we're going to be like, I don't know who's going to win this game. Like, it's going to come down to the final possession, I guarantee you. So um, I'm just readying myself for that. I'm, I'm, you know, as some people know, I'm a Seahawks fan. So this is just like torturous to me.
0: As your uh, co-worker, Kevin Clark, so eloquently put it that one time, the Seahawks have yeah. never, ever played a regular, <laughs> regular game. Do not yeah. expect that to change in this spot. Yeah. Yeah. So man, one crazy stat I found, because remember, it's you know Russell Wilson. I've seen these Cowboys games, the Packers game last year. Like he just has these great games and he doesn't throw enough. In 13 of 15 career playoff games, 31 or fewer passes from Russell Wilson. I get yep. it. They've been winning with the ball control, but you look since week 12, they face the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, the football team, the Rams, and the 49ers. 23 or fewer points to all of them under 250 passing yards. It's good. The defense is playing better. They can only play, yeah. you know, up to whoever they're playing. But you. Do wonder how this is going to persist now that they finally got to play better defenses and probably better offenses. Real quick, while we're on this game, I've seen people float around this idea. Are the Rams better off with John Wolford or Jared Goff on their center? (laughs) I mean,
1: I guess first you have to answer the question like, how healthy is Goff? Like, is his hand good? But if if, a healthy Goff, obviously, I think they're going to go with Goff and they're probably better off them. Like, and it's the same idea, you know, like. They're able. I think they would be able to hit bigger plays in the passing game with Goff in theory. Um, You know, just what what uh, McVay can like design in that offense, the way he's able to get guys open. Um, I've seen Goff, you know, work the Seahawks before. I've seen the uh, McVay in that offense just completely, you know, dominate. And maybe not like lately, but like over the years, they've had some battles, and the Seahawks have just got run out of stadium in a couple of those. And so, like, it wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past the Rams to come out and have a good game with Goff under center. That said, I think like the idea and the argument for Wolford is what he can do with his legs. It's not like his passing necessarily, but it's just like, he's a little more dynamic. And, and we've seen so many times this year that Goff, um, if his first read is not open, or if something happens like where the pressure comes at the middle or the, the pocket isn't just good for him, like it completely falls apart. And that's not, and that's the different dynamic of Wolford because he can like make things happen with his legs. He can escape. It's just – and, you know, the Seahawks have had trouble with with mobile quarterbacks in the past. Like, it's just – I don't know. Like, I, Bottom line, they're probably better off with Goff, but I could see the argument for going with Fulford just because of what he does with his legs, and that's given the Seahawks trouble in the past too is, you know, when, when you have a mobile quarterback who can scramble and who can run. They can do design run stuff. That's good for third downs. You can move the chains. And I don't have a ton of faith in Goff, honestly, right now, like just the way he's been playing. So sometimes the grass is always greener in terms of like your mindset. But um, if I was coaching the Rams, I probably would go with goth.
0: Yeah, if Goff is healthy, you got to give it to him. You got, you know, all those millions of reasons why. And also, yeah, to your point, it's Goff looks so bad when he's under pressure, but he's awesome when he can just see his receiver open, the McVeighs, you know, the play he had in his mind happens on the field. Goff can put the ball there. But yeah, only Drew Locke had a larger drop-off in yards per attempt under pressure versus Kev Clean. (laughs) Certainly a boom and buzz quarterback back there. All right, so in the playoffs as a whole, we got a lot of great wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, a little, goes on. And yet, here come the Ravens with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews to compliment Lamar Jackson. Man, how differently would you look at this Ravens team as a whole, as a contender, if they could add a legit top 15 talented wide receiver? Because we heard the Antonio Brown rumors in the offseason, but nothing came to it. You know, Baker got mm-hmm. OBJ, Josh Allen got Diggs, Kyler got Hopkins. I feel like a lot of these young quarterbacks have gotten blessed by a top wide receiver. Lamar has not been one of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think easy it's pretty easy to answer yeah i think it'd be awesome for them it'd be a huge huge bonus and i think we've seen marquise brown has like picked things up over the last like six weeks or whatever he's had actually a pretty good stretch run here for the season and the difference that makes in their offense is huge and um i'm a i'm a marquise brown fan and and i have high hopes for him in the long run he just wasn't very good for most of the season and that i think was a big part of why their passing game was so bad and they have like you know, uh, Miles Boykin hasn't really developed. Devin Duvernay is still a rookie, and he's just kind of like a gadget guy at this point in time. Um, you know, Willie Sneed being your kind of like your veteran number one, like that's not going to – there's nothing to write home about. So not great, not I think it, absolutely it would be a huge thing for him. I mean, look at the difference that Stephon Diggs has made for Josh Allen. And I think – Josh, you can't take away from what Josh Allen has done. Like obviously he improved a lot himself, but like getting a guy like that who can get open whenever he wants – um and who can make plays you know at the catch point uh do stuff after the catch I think that would be huge for Lamar and it has to be taken into account like some of the some of the problems they've had with their passing game has just been like they don't have that much talent at the receiver position so um I think it would be a huge deal I mean look at look at what Hopkins Hopkins going over to the Cardinals that certainly helped with uh, Kyler and I think the same deal if you if they go out and get like uh you know Allen Robinson or something this offseason like mm. That would be sweet <laughs> for, that would be for
0: Lamar. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I proposed this question on Twitter, and I basically said, who would you pick to win straight up in a neutral stadium if the Ravens and Bills both somehow had Stephon Diggs, got about 5,000 votes, and 55% of you did say the Ravens would be better. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people that just said, hey, you know, Lamar can't throw anyway. Why, why would adding a wide receiver change this? People, we had the exact same conversation about Josh Allen for the better same. part. Exact yeah. same, man. Like I understand that we have not seen just pinpoint accuracy from Lamar or Josh Allen in 2018, 2019, but like what? no one on earth is arguing. I know PFF wants to say every position doesn't matter. I don't think we've ever said wide receiver doesn't matter. Everybody <laughs> realizes this. Give the guy some ballers to throw to That should be, I mean, I know we haven't gotten to the offseason needs just yet, but that's gotta be the Ravens number one priority for 2021.
1: Yeah. And it, honestly, like you said, it's the exact same, it's the exact same discussion, same argument um coming out Josh Allen the big hit on him was he's not accurate and in 2019 he was literally the least accurate deep ball thrower in the NFL he was the worst and so that's what people are talking about with Lamar this year like he, he has been bad like he like when he tries to throw outside the numbers it's usually a little bit overthrown or whatever and um the touch isn't there but that's what we we're exactly saying with Josh Allen now yeah. Josh Allen is a bit of an outlier so maybe Lamar never gets there But I certainly don't think it hurts to like get him some weapons, get him that sporting cast. It's always important for a young quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a no-brainer.
0: Let's find out first. And if he doesn't improve, okay, but let's at least least try to find out. The season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding. So head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this, people. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to 1%, Hundred dollars. That's right. You bet. They cover with risk-free Sunday betting. Additionally, this weekend there is plenty of action to get on. So head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds, odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday they bet up to $100 that's right you bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook so must be 21 or older New Jersey Indiana or Pennsylvania only risk-free coverage paid out in site credits restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT all right. I want to talk about the Titans a little bit because they're basically like the inverse Steelers at this point. Fantastic offense, awful defense. I mean, legit bottom five defense in terms of EPA per play this year. But hey, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee can keep up with anybody. And yet they're the only home underdog in the playoffs. Who do you like in Titans, Ravens straight up and why?
1: Uh, I like the Ravens a little bit. And I think it's and that's actually kind of hard to say because I really like what the times are doing. Like I'm a huge Tannehill Stan. I think he's been awesome. Like he's still not getting enough credit. Derek Henry's obviously awesome. AJ Brown's awesome. Um, you're wide receiver one, right? Oh yeah. You guy. Always AJB <laughs> wide receiver one season. <laughs> he's amazing. Um, so I love that offense, but I think the, the Ravens are more balanced and I think that their offense is getting hot at the right time. And honestly, like it's a bad matchup for the Titans. And, you know, again, I we said this last year, that was the weird, like when the Titans beat the, the Ravens in, in the divisional round, I believe it was like, that was the weirdest game. Like there's so many things that happen in that game that would like it, it like you couldn't have you know, guessed or predicted that things like that would happen. Um, I'm guessing that's not going to happen again this year. So I'm going with the Ravens here and I, and I can see why I, I, they are favored, right? Like I, I can understand that their offense is clicking. Their defense has been really, really strong all year. Like we don't really talk about the Ravens defense, but like, they're just solid Yeah, and, Um, yeah. So I think with, with the way that Lamar has been playing the way that they can, in theory, I know this is a cliche, but they can control the clock. They can control possessions, like limit the amount of possessions the Titans have. Um, and I think that gives them an advantage. So I'm going with the Ravens by a bit here, but I do like both of these teams a lot.
0: Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, on PFF.com, Seth Galena wrote a good feature on just how the MVP version of Lamar Jackson has been showing back up. You can look through the schedule. It hasn't been pretty, and I did use that to talk about the Seahawks defense, but they are blowing these teams out. They're doing exactly what you should be doing to bad teams. Nobody has a better point differential than the Ravens this year. Lamar's running better than ever. And, yeah, I mean, look, even his, uh, you know, passing ability in the intermediate areas of the field has improved a little bit in this uh, second half of the year. So if the Titans were just going to really put the game on Ryan Tannehill's i feel like they would have a better chance which hurts me to say i'm not trying to take anything away from derrick henry but i'm just worried right. that if they if henry doesn't go for 200 yards and he gets 20 plus carries it seems like that's a losing formula
1: yeah and i think that's that's what they're gonna do they're gonna try and get him going and there, there's like a scenario i can see where they try and get him going for a little too long and then at that point like they're behind by too much you know what i mean um especially with the way that the ravens are playing so um, if they can't get the run game going at the beginning of the game and they just kind of like stick with it a little too long, I could see that being a bad thing. But like you said, if they if they really lean on Tannehill and like go pretty fat, like pass her, pass heavy on first and second down, um, I could see this being, you know, a pretty good game for them. So that's kind of like I'm very interested to see how like they coach this and how like they approach it.
0: 100%, 100%. So kind of staying on this topic, I mean, the idea that running backs don't matter, I think it's been so overblown. Obviously, a position that touches the ball 20 plus time per game matters. If you've played you know, football at any level, really up until college, like your best players either playing running back or quarterback because they touch the ball more than anybody. So I think the idea, more of a roster building principle than anything. is just the reality hmm. when you have a salary cap, you just don't pay as much to running back. I understand that, but looking across the wild card around, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry standing out as a big three stud RBs. Danny, let's say we got a neutral offense and situation. Which of these three RBs would you most want to have on your team for the next five years?
1: This is, God, this is so impossible of <laughs> a question to answer. It's, first of all, they're all like completely different style. You know, like Alvin Kamara is like smaller, shifty, pass catching style guy. Um, Derek Henry is like, give him 35 carries and like, let him do work type of deal. And then I think, I feel like I'm going with Nick Chubb, I think, because he's sort of right in the middle. Yeah. Um you know he's not as big and, and physically dominant as Derrick Henry, but he's explosive as hell. Like he's the most, probably the most explosive runner in the NFL. Pure runner. Um, he's got the speed. He's got the shiftiness, the explosion. Um, I've made it like a joke. Like his feet just grip the ground differently than every other human being on earth. Like he just has better traction than people for some reasons. Like he's wearing. Like he's wearing like magnetic shoes when everybody else is like slipping around on the ice. It's crazy. Um, but he just really like, that's like the difference he, he makes as a runner. Like he's cutting faster than guys. Like he's getting up to top speed faster than everybody else. Um, I don't think he's like a zero in the passing game. Like you can use him in the pass game a little bit. Um, so I guess I would probably go with Chubb. I lean, I lean towards like the pass catching side a little bit because I, I, I think that running backs that can, you know, factor on in the passing game a lot. Really make it tough on a defense, so I'd probably lean Chubb and then then Kamara. But, but like, I mean, how do you argue against Henry? Like the way that that dude plays, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a philosophical thing. Love all three of those guys, but yeah, I'm going Chubb. Who's a, your, who you got to answer that question?
0: oh i am i am i'm coming back i am with you i do think <laughs> in, in this situation neutral you know team and everything i do think chubb makes the most sense because we don't know if he can't be a good receiving back or not he got 16 of 18 targets this year no drops i mean he had that one catch as a rookie i think it was against the Bengals where he like legit mossed this dude on a wheel route for a <laughs> touchdown like it's not his fault they have one of the game's best right. receiving backs and kareem hunt there derrick henry you know just get him the ball on screens and stuff i get that too he's not necessarily awful but no i do think Think Nick Chubb makes the most sense in this uh, quirky little scenario I've uh, driven up here <laughs> for us. So, I want to talk about Kamara's team, though, this is because the Saints, they sputtered in recent playoff performances. You know, the Vikings, I think, have really brought this uh, fruition when they've just restricted underneath areas of the field. You know, just things have been tough. And hey, the Bears defense, maybe not the same world beaters we saw in 2018, but we know they're still capable of some good things. Ms. Trubisky has led this offense at 30 plus points against everyone other than the Packers since he got his job back. Danny, on a scale from one to ten, how confident are you in the Bears pulling off the week's biggest <laughs> upset and knocking off the Saints? Uh,
1: I would say maybe like a two or a three. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not real <laughs> confident. I think. I definitely think it's like in the realm of possibility because weird stuff always happens in the playoffs. But um, I mean, man, did you see uh, Trubisky's passing chart from last week? It was like legitimately everything except for one pass, one completion. I should say was within like five yards. Everything. Bad. And so they were obviously like hiding him and trying to like mitigate his his impact, his negative impact. Obviously, you know you want your quarterback to have a, a like a big positive impact and make big plays, but it didn't seem like they trust him at all. You know, going back the previous like th- three games or whatever, four games before that, he had looked pretty good. Like the way that they'd schemed up the offense around him, a lot of play action, um, you know, getting him on the outside on, on naked bootlegs, using him in the run game a little bit, like that all works. Um, but I think it, I think it's, like, crucial for the Bears to get their run game going like they have had over the last month or so in this game, and, and the Saints are just so good defensively. Like, I could see them kind of bottling that up, focusing on that, and things could go haywire for this offense, which are basically, like, trying to carry them. So, um, if the Saints – I, I feel like if the Saints can take Montgomery kind of out of it, the Bears could be in trouble here. So and, – and I see, like – I feel like that's probably, like, the most, you know, likely thing to happen this one.
0: Mitch Trubisky this year on stone, at least 20 yards downfield, six completions on 33 attempts, two <gasps> touchdowns, four picks, 5.2 yards per attempt. The only quarterback worse with at least 20 attempts, Dwayne Haskins, wow. who does currently not have a job. Not great for Mitch. <laughs> I'm with you. It's it's too much, man. He actually has, like, in fantasy land, I was hoping, because, you know, sometimes fantasy, not good fancy quarterback, isn't a good real life quarterback. And that was like a right. striking thing I found yesterday. Cause Trubisky, if you want to play DFS, he's had like four weeks this year where he's been a top 11 quarterbacks. He runs the ball around a little bit, but you know, want to see yeah. if that translated to PFF passing grade. No, he's had like one decent game all season long. And <laughs> yeah, man, I'm off. Yeah. I, th- I think the Saints roll fairly easy, particularly getting Michael Thomas back. I feel like he's just gotten too disrespected at this point. Quit the slam Thomas. Court. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know dude for real. He, he makes a huge impact on their, on their offense. He's like such a good route runner. Um, I feel like, honestly, the knock on him, like he doesn't go deep or whatever, but it's like, that's not really their offense. It's more like on the quarterback in my mind. So yeah. um, don't, don't knock Thomas for like being the, you know, the safety net slash like quarterback's best friend or like he's just doing what their offense needs him to do.
0: He had Brandon Cooks as a rookie, but since then, he's had old man Teg Gann as a number two, Emmanuel Sanders issue, but he's been hurt, noodle arm yeah. breeze, and then Taysom freaking Hill. Like, what do you want <laughs> the guy to do? Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Alvin Kamara is spectacular. He's not exactly clearing out more space in the underneath areas of the field. I mean, hey, if we're yeah. looking at, you know, the Saints in the future, let's say Jameis Winston wins that job. Michael Thomas, like, he could even have a higher ceiling with a quarterback that could actually push the ball downfield more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, would you rather have him, like, run in wind sprints just running and just run downfield not get any <laughs> targets? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's really – he's an outstanding, one of the best receivers in the game. Absolutely.
0: All right, so excluding the Chiefs and Packers, who were good enough to get their first-round buys, which playoff team from this year do you think will be in the best position to win next year?
1: That's a great question. There's a couple of them here. My first thought is the Bills seem set up to be good for a long time with Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs um you know the coaching staff there the one thing that worries me just a little bit is if Brian Dayball gets a job somewhere else this offseason it seems like he's going to get a head coaching job then maybe that like kind of messes with like the chemistry they have in that passing game um so if, if we're taking Buffalo out of it I think I still think the Ravens are set up really well, like really stable organization, really stable coaching staff defensively. They they're always, they always seem to be good. And like we talked about earlier in the pod, like if they can get a couple more weapons for Lamar Jackson, like build that out around him, it doesn't seem like Greg Roman is going to be going anywhere, at least not getting another coaching job. Um, I just feel like they're going to have a lot of continuity. They can add to this offense. They can get some guys going. J.K. Dobbins is a freaking baller, and if they yeah. lean on him a little bit more, then that offense just has a chance to be even better. Um, so I'm still like, I'm still a Lamar believer. I think like long-term, they're still going to be really explosive. They, they run a pretty unique offense, and um, he's just going to get better as a passer. So, I mean, he's still like – he's like younger than Joe Burrow. Jeez. <laughs> Or he's like the same age as Joe Burrow. Like he, like Lamar is still really young um, and, you know, still developing as pastor and all that stuff. So I, I think probably they're still really set up really well.
0: Just like people, you know, like Cam Newton too is another one of these guys where we just can't ignore a quarterback's rushing ability when we talk about them as passers, you know, throw out this, you know, oh, hey, Lamar Jackson sucks as a quarterback because we're only comparing half of his game when none of these guys can even touch what he can do as a runner. So that's been frustrating. I think those are two good calls. I would just say, don't sleep on the Washington football team. If they can get a young quarterback or even, I don't know, a Phillip Rivers or they're talking about Cam Newton coming back. I'm not... Cam's so tough to value. That's an entirely different conversation. But this <laughs> yeah. defensive line they have built—if they could—I don't even know if they need to add another piece. But it has the same feel as you know the 49 ers. Just a unit yep. so dominant yep. they could potentially carry them. It just depends on if they can fix the most important spot in football. But you know, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson—you got some young talent. Wash might be a little bit closer than most people realize.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's totally true. And we can we've seen how teams can make pretty big jumps on offense. Like if they get the right personnel and like the right combination of guys, obviously it all starts the quarterback and there's actually quite a bit of like, there's going to be some veteran movement at quarterback. Like the quarterback position in the draft is pretty strong this year. And I don't know. I think, yeah, like we could be talking in in this time next year about how like they made this massive jump on offense and you know, they kind of came out of nowhere. And then the defense defensively, that foundation is there for them
0: absolutely all right dang last question thank you for the time as always my man so let's look ahead Mm -hmm. Chiefs and Packers each have a bye week you know Mahomes Rodgers I think we're all kind of seeing Aaron Rodgers is the MVP front runner for good reason but man it's pretty much a wash they've both been so spectacular all year let's just call that a wash we don't need to debate Rodgers and Mahomes right now Other (laughs) other than those two what player position group between the Chiefs and Packers if they theoretically meet in the Super Bowl do you think has the next best chance of taking over the game
1: I thought about this for a while. I think for me, it's Travis Kelsey. I, I think just like his ability. So like first of all, like Tyreek Hill. I think Devonte Adams is probably like the best receiver in the NFL right now. But like the Chiefs have Hill, and Hill is also one of the best, most unique. Like his skill set is 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 very unique. He's the most explosive guy. Like literally, you don't have a defensive player that can keep up with him. Um, so like there's a little bit of a wash there. And I don't think I think the difference between like a time like a Robert Tunyon. And Travis Kelsey is massive, and so that's where I give the Chiefs a slight edge. And Kelsey's such like a um, a problem solver, I guess, on on offense. Where like if you have like third down, you need somebody to make a play. Like he's gonna create a mismatch against pretty much everybody he plays against. Like it, again, you can't overstate the fact that he's like second in the NFL in receiving yards at the like tight end position, which is unheard of. Most yards ever for a tight end, and he's d- still doing. You know, like he never drops the ball. Like, his catch rate is amazing. Um, really good route runner, really good after the catch. He's just been so dependable when Mahomes does his like, you know, outside the pocket improv, like they're on the same page They're like mind meld. So I don't know. I think, you know, just Travis Kelsey is sort of that X factor for the chiefs where even if, you know, they've, they've had some injuries on the offensive line, they just haven't been quite as like in sync as we were used to them seeing, but they still have that Kelsey, um, you know, like mismatch creating thing that they can lean on. And I trust Andy Reid to like get him into the right matchups and stuff. So I'd say I'd say Kelsey gives them the slight edge, but it's it's so tough to pick against the, the Packers right now. I have the I have the Chiefs like in my prediction, I picked the Chiefs to win it all over the Packers. Mm-hmm. Kind of obviously really chalk, but like these two are just like buzzsaw teams. Um and I think that's kind of like the difference right there.
0: Since uh, Mahomes took over in 2018, only DeAndre Hopkins has more receiving yards than <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Man, I feel That's like, crazy. you know, back in, I think it was like 2013, 2014, when Jimmy Graham was reaching the end of the Saints, they threw this, they had this big dispute because Graham was saying, like, I spend more of my time as a wide receiver, call me yeah. a wide and you're going to make more money on the franchise tech. I think this is now doing a disservice to Travis Kelsey because he is in any top 10 receiver conversation, tight ends and wide receivers alike. I mean, his deal right now, he's making less money per year than Sammy Watkins' original deal with the Chiefs. Like, okay, I'm not trying to hate on Sammy, but that's ridiculous. Like,
1: yeah, that is absolutely I
0: like, crazy. I feel like we should throw out this, uh, just kind of positional. Doesn't it's becoming like the kind of edge rusher linebacker type thing, like, like pass catcher? He's a pass catcher, exactly. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean.
1: I like, honestly, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like how often are they asking him to like make blocks and stay in like he's running mostly routes and you know, the, the, what he does, like he's mostly lined up in the slot. They even give him like carries from the backfield and like these little shovel passes on, you know, like these little underneath things that they do. So Um, I mean, I'm with you. I know the NFL has an important reason for not wanting to like (laughs) change the status quo or whatever, but like absolutely agree with you. Like he deserves to be paid as a receiver. He deserves to be paid as one of the top pass catchers in the NFL.
0: And what is so crazy too, man, like this year, I'm not saying I expected uh, him to fall off or anything, but tight ends, demanding position. Rob Gronkowski is only 144 days older than Travis Kelsey. And he he looks better never after the catch. I don't know if this is ever going to slow down. Even when he does slow down, he's going to age better than ever because he's got Mahomes chucking him the ball.
1: He, I love Mahomes, or uh, Kelsey is so interesting because you're right. He's like, 31 or 30 whatever it is he, he's like getting up there in age like he's like a, essentially the same age as like Zach Ertz. we all think Zach Ertz is like washed you know <laughs> and so it's like i don't know the, the fact that he's still doing what he's doing like when he runs he can corner so fast he, he's like got like that really low center of gravity as a runner where he's like kind of like scooting around and um it just feels it and to me it doesn't feel foolky at all like he could be keep doing this for
0: years He's living young, man. Before this whole pandemic thing started, he was at <laughs> Texas Tech basketball games, chugging beers with Mahomes in the crowd. He's, he's living the life of a 20-year-old still. you got to absolutely love it. <laughs> Danny, that's going to do it, man. Everyone make sure you follow Danny on Twitter if you haven't already, at Danny B. Kelly. Danny, all your stuff's up on the Ringer. You got the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Anything else you want to pitch?
1: uh no that's it yeah just check out my work at the ringer.com and i'll be having the nfl draft guide be going here probably in the end of january start start uploading that so look for that in a few weeks
0: truly one of the best draft guides in the game everybody make sure you check that out thank you danny for the time again thank you everybody for listening out there to the pff fantasy football podcast again episodes every wednesday and friday moving on throughout the playoffs and i will be getting some solo exit interviews up before too long so that's gonna do everybody thank you again for listening he's danny i and until next time take care